an uphill battle against Ebola in Sierra Leone. Today, Tuesday, December 2nd. This is The World. I'm Marco Werman. A veteran journalist says he's been stopped by guards at roadblocks before, but nothing quite like the ones in Sierra Leone right now. Instead of brandishing weapons, these guys pull out a digital thermometer, and they're making people get out and wash their hands in a bucket of dirty water that supposedly had some bleach. We'll hear the latest from Sierra Leone, and later how rising temperatures in Texas could end up changing where people live. We're going to be wanting to send the people back north who came here over the last 20 years, and they're going to be wanting to leave. Plus, a soccer player who gets sick, picks up a guitar, and ends up on Sweden's version of American Idol. It turned out brilliantly for me, and, uh, and it was a hell of a ride. Support for PRI's The World comes from TIAA CREF, a financial services company helping to create financial outcomes that matter. Learn more at TIAA.org. I'm Marco Werman, and this is The World. Ever notice that when a news story comes out of our part of the country, New England, the reporter is usually in Boston? Of course, for anyone who lives here or has visited our city, Boston is nothing like other parts of New England. Well, Liberia seems to be the Boston of Ebola news right now. That's where we hear a lot of Ebola stories coming from, yet the disease has affected at least five countries in West Africa and is crippling Guinea and Sierra Leone. We wanted to get the report card from Sierra Leone today, and for that we turned to Jeffrey Gettleman. He's covered many parts of the African continent for the New York Times. Today he's in Freetown, the capital of Sierra Leone. He says residents there are still struggling to combat the deadly virus. I think people are trying. The response is, is getting stronger. But what's really frustrating is there's a ton of equipment here, supplies, expertise, but there's still people dying all over the place, needlessly. So Liberia used to be where the Ebola outbreak seemed to be the hottest, but last month Liberia registered a third as many new cases as Sierra Leone. So why do you think things are so much worse in Sierra Leone compared to Liberia right now? Liberia was really bad. And when the death rate gets extremely high and you have scores of people dying every day in small villages and specific communities, I think people get really scared and do whatever they can to avoid uh, getting sick. That happened in Liberia. They went through that process where at first there was a lot of disbelief, there was suspicion, there was doubt about Ebola. And once that many people died, the doubt disappeared and people took action. So Sierra Leone is now climbing up that ugly curve and is hitting the point now where so many people are dying, there may be a greater response by the public to take this extremely seriously. So that's one factor. Another factor is I think the chain of command in Liberia was clearer. The U.S. military came in in a big way. They were invited by the government to do a lot of work really fast, and they did it. They set up labs all over the country to test blood. They built treatment centers really fast. And here in Sierra Leone, it's a little more diffuse who's in control. You have the British military here, but not in the numbers that the Americans were in Liberia. You have the UN here, but they're, not, they're sort of taking a backseat role. And the Sierra Leonean government, I think, is ambivalent about relying too much on international help. And that's complicating things because they're not just sort of throwing open the doors and saying, everybody come help us. They're also trying to play a role. And they just don't have the, the deep bench that one needs in a crisis like this. 
Now, Jeffrey, you wrote recently about this uh, really heart-wrenching story about a, a teenager who was stricken with Ebola. Her name is Isatu Sese in a little village in Sierra Leone called Kissy Town. This girl's family had called an Ebola hotline 35 times for an ambulance. Why did it never arrive? I came across this girl my first day here, and she was visibly sick but able to walk around. So she still could have been saved at that point. Her family was calling, calling, calling this equivalent of 911, and nobody was coming. We went back the next day, and she was really sick. She was curled up on the floor, writhing back and forth, delirious, very close to death's door, and still no ambulance. It's not clear why that happened. There had been a strike by some healthcare workers that week. Maybe that had something to do with it. And there's also this problem of beds. There aren't enough hospital beds. So the ambulance can't pick somebody up from their house and take them to a hospital if there's no place to put them. So all those factors together conspired against her, and she died right in front of us. And it was really upsetting because it was just a symbol of how all these resources are here, but they're still not working. And it's kind of like watching somebody drown in a, in a lake or a pond. Right